welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, episode number seven. And tonight we have not one, but two special guests for you on the podcast. I don't know why I bothered said tonight, but you can listen to this podcast tonight. You can listen to this podcast in the morning, afternoon. It's around 24-7. And you can listen to it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And also on GemCitySports.com. And you can follow it on GCSN Sports on Twitter or Gem City Sports Network on Facebook. Or follow me, the Lee W. Mowen, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all the social media jollies as you were. Episode 7, like I mentioned, two special guests. We have the co-owners of the Gem City Sports Network from Brookville, Ohio, calling in on the podcast, Doug Brown and Brian Reese from Kettering. Thank you very much, Lee. And Doug, how are you doing over there? I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for some football. How about you? I'm ready for dragons because that's my next sporting event I work at. And I'm looking forward to pretty much anything that's going on. I will you know, soccer as well. There's that high school stuff going on, and and UD and Wright State's could have been started for a while. So yeah, Wright State they had a game last night. They beat Cincinnati four to two, and it was. Uh, A.J. Patterson, a midfielder that got a hat trick, and the fourth goal was off a defender. And it was a really good game. And if I remember, there was a couple players from the Dynamo on um, both sides. Yep, Peyton Mowry for Cincinnati definitely got a lot of experience with uh, Bai Cabay on the back line. And also for Wright State, you had Tristan Lyle, Austin Kinley, and Eric Hutton. It was nice to see a couple of familiar Dynamo faces as well. Coach Greist was there. Uh, Brad Boldman was there, too. Oh, good old Brad. Yeah, good old Brad. Gave me a compliments on the podcast, so thank you very much, Brad. Appreciate that. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun game. It was nice. It's nice to come back to college soccer. So, gentlemen, you own the Gem City Sports Network, and as people know, it's the podcast home for the Gem on the Queen's Crown. When did Gem City Sports come into effect? When did it blossom into what it's known for today? When it started, uh, this was basically Brian's idea. He uh, uh, doesn't make too much of the credit. I'd like to think that uh, both of us came up with it at the same time. But started in November of uh, 2012, and our first game was uh, a girls' basketball game at Belmont High School. And it was the Stevens uh, Indians and the Belmont Bison, and I thought it was going to be a pretty good game. And I don't know if you remember it, Brian, but uh, it was like eighty-five to thirty-five. Uh, it was. It was not close. I remember that. And if anybody remembered, the Wi-Fi or the internet was not working there, so we technically podcasted that game instead of calling it live. Yeah, I thought, oh, what are we getting ourselves into here? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out, you know, it turned out that, you know, uh, there was a, it was a gold mine that we were, uh, we got this thing going. And uh, one of the things that uh, I told Brian that we should do is get a hold of Sinclair and see if we can do their, uh, do their sports. And uh, we've been partners with them uh, since 2013, I think. In fact, so a, I, think, I think it was a year earlier than that or... Because as a matter of fact, uh, the first game we actually did, we never uh, published it, but um, we actually did one of the Sinclair women's games before we did anything. But again, we never published it. We never did anything with it. It was just more of like a pilot, if you will, for um, Sinclair, if you will. Yeah, it was a test run. And it turned out all good. And uh, well, uh, you know, we've 
We're doing the volleyball. Rick and Mary Smith are doing the volleyball and the basketball. And I'll be doing the uh, uh, the baseball. And uh, they got a, you know, all their sports on there is very good. And nobody knows about them. They are. A, Sinclair is a powerhouse at the, in JUCO, not just uh, locally but or regionally, but uh, nationally as well. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, now we have Central State. And it just seems like we keep growing and people keep calling us. Uh, I, I know I get uh, uh, calls every once in a while say, hey, can you do this or can you do this uh, uh, this game or this show or whatever, you know. And, uh, and uh, sometimes I have to say no. And it's tough. Uh, it's at least it's tough for me right now. But yeah, we're doing so good right now that uh, yeah, we're we're probably. I, I I'm not saying we're number one, but we're pretty close to it, and in, in uh, doing what we're doing. The nice thing about Gem City Sports is, I know my time uh, broadcasting too, we covered a lot of things around the Dayton area. Uh, I know my favorite and probably the one people will remember me for the most is Dayton Demons and Dayton Demolition Hockey. That was that was always go time for me. Hockey time was the time to get rolling. Uh, but I, I I didn't go to too many of the uh, I don't think I went to any of the uh, demolition games. Hate to say that, but uh, the Demons uh, those were those were some fun times being there at the Hero Arena. Yeah, they were and. Man, we had three great teams with the Demons all three years. And I was thinking about that in the car. Like, what would happen with the Demons had they won the Cup in 2012-2013? That was one of the episodes of um, one of your earlier podcasts, if I remember. Yeah, episode two. Um, I might do another one of those, maybe. But it's just, what would happen if they won the Cup? Would the Demons still be around? Would Air Arena be open? I don't know. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but it's like... Hey, what if this thing happened? You know, that's that's what I like to do, apparently. But going back to the subject, the demons and the uh, demolition, it was always nice to have that free audio for fans to just come in and listen. I mean, you couldn't see it, but at the same time, I felt like every time I turn around, the video is like upside down or something. And that's not, you know, it's not a knock on it. It's just the, you know... It's just what it was. I had to work with what you had to work with. But that was one of the good things for us, maybe not so good for the FHL, but good for us, was that I think we were the only team that offered a free option for streaming. No, it wasn't a video, but um, it allowed people to follow their team, whether it was Dayton or whoever was visiting, that wouldn't normally get the chance to can do it without breaking the bank. Exactly. And I want to go back on the video. It's not saying, you know, we had the best videographer there, John Ford, which – I need to talk to him again soon. Yes, he's, he was a good guy. He is a good guy. Um, but it, it was nice because people didn't have to pay for it. They could just tune it in, listen to it, and just follow along on stats. Port Huron had that for a year with another station, but they stopped, and so did St. Clair Shores. In fact, I don't think they made it through the season with the unit audio feed, but we were the only consistent ones. Like, pretty much, bam, starting season two for every game. And actually, that was the uh, game we got my broadcast high. I think it was like 70s, 80s. That's, that's I think our biggest, our, our uh, best uh, listened to was a uh, hockey game. I think it was 78. Yeah, yeah. that's that yeah. sounds about right. Because I think, I think that was game three when we had the black jerseys. We displayed them, and we won that in OT with Brian Marks, the defender, 
uh, had his goal from the blue line and it went underneath the backup goalie, which I don't remember how he got in, but he did. And that's how we won it. And then we won the cup. We <laughs> forced game five and won a nine to two at their place. Watch that. I do remember watching uh, the last bit of that. Um, it was yeah. also at Hair Arena. I mean, it was it was sort of double duty for us. Um, there was the the watch party for that was going on in the pub, and well, at the same time, we were had to do a um, Dayton Sharks game as well. And I think, football thing. And I think Brian, that was the time where we fed the second microphone down to where the hockey uh, penalty boxes would be, and you were doing color commentary from down on the field. Well, field, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was at field level. It was, it was cool, though. I mean, I, I didn't have the guts to go down there and do that. It was that. different, but um, at the same time, there was a really rigid, uh, rough, um, hard um, dashboard there right in front of me. So I wasn't yeah. too scared of um, guys jumping up or through because I didn't really think that was going to happen. Plus, there was glass all around the um, – Rinks, so they might have been a little iffy about that. Yeah, I don't. The two years I did sharks, I don't think they ever took the glass down. Maybe once I, they had the uh, field goal post up for season three of the demons, though they still had them up from that previous shark season, if I remember yeah, right. I'm, I think that was a. Re- I'm guessing the reason for that was behind the glass was just those um, steel or those metal guardrails there, which could. Kind of do a little bit of damage if you went through them, so it was kind of a safety reason to keep the glass up. Well, I think that's the reason why they did it, because uh, you, know, you hit those uh, railings and stuff like that, and uh, uh, it would hurt. If your arm or your neck got caught in there, you'd be in big trouble. And yeah. And the thing, too, unlike other places you can see indoor football where you flip over the boards, hey, you're with the fans. Not so much. It's It's almost like... A miniaturized pit, if you will. Not quite like Oakwood. You're sitting on the second floor. The game's on the first floor. But you, you get the... You get the... Yep. It was about like maybe about. four... Like I'd say maybe four feet was the concourse above the um, ground floor. But going back to a different subject about the Hair Arena, if you don't mind me deviating a little bit. Go um, for it. I can't remember where it was. It was like maybe last week or a week and a half ago when I finally saw that... Um, Hair Arena is finally being um, auctioned off by the uh, IRS. Yeah, I did see that, too. I think uh, the auction's happening tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Anyone want to lend me money to make Hair Arena awesome again? Because that'd be cool. I mean, that's a pretty penny. I think my girlfriend and I were talking about it, too, just because, yep. you know. Uh, Minimum bid of $850,000. And that's just to buy the property. That's not Counting any kind of money that would be used to repair the whole thing. That's just you own the lot. And I think that counts the golf course back there to Hera Greens. I think. I don't think you're going to be able to uh, repair Hera Arena in any way, shape, or form. Because that place is just, you know, it's too far gone to be uh, yeah. to be repaired. And we talk a lot about Hera Arena moments. I mean, that was... I think that's the most time the three of us has spent together was hockey slash indoor football season. Probably more hockey and such, but you're absolutely right. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I agree. I totally agree with that. And I've spent, uh, being a lot older than you guys, I've spent a lot more time out there than, than both of you combined. And you know, I, I miss it. I really do. And I, I know a lot of people around here, uh, the hockey people, uh, they, they really miss it. You know, they, you had the silver sticks out there. You had uh, uh, 
uh, Winterland where people go and ice skate, you know, just for the heck of it. And, you know, it was just, it was just a great place to go to watch hockey or watch concerts, uh, just do anything you wanted to do. Plus, you know, the shows that they had out there, uh, like, um, Shop Day Drop, uh, a Christmas show that they had out there. Uh, they had this Carl Casper's, uh, custom car show that, uh, they brought in some, <laughs> you talk about some cars. My goodness, they were look, they were looking good. And I like me some classic cars. I don't know if a lot of people know that about me, but I, I, I do like classic cars. It's, you would have loved that one. You would have loved that one. And yeah. you mentioned Winterland too, Doug. Um, in the later heydays, that was the home of Wright State's uh, club hockey team. And I remember being the sports director of the radio station at that time. And we got to sit in one of the corners, and of course the corner was where we couldn't see the scoreboard at all, and we could barely see what's happening on the ice because it's so foggy. But those are always the best games to go to. Uh, and Brian, we were talking about this pre-recording, <laughs> the one Wright State Dayton game where there's like six Flyers and five Raiders in the box. I'm like, good lord, yeah, eleven players in the box. <laughs> I mean, people. That's... I mean, people want to say that oh, it doesn't matter because it's not scholarship. But I tell you what, it's still hockey to me, and I am Billy Joel, and I approve this message. What is well, at the same time, anytime episode? we got again the rivals, like, yeah, that, and everyone knows Dayton Wright State. How can you? What else is there to say as far as rivalries go? When and something like that, things are definitely going to get chippy. You can have two competitive teams in knitting and you still have like knits and I, I don't I competitive don't knitting. knitting that would be something I, I will I will broadcast that I will broadcast that if that you know makes people if realize if ESPN 8 makes another comeback then do that again <laughs> they they were on what what day was that it was not too long was it uh, maybe oh, last week week and a half two eighth. weeks ago yeah the 8th of 8 because you know the Ocho, because it's eight. Get it, Doug? Eight is Ocho. Ocho is eight. Okay. I get it. What was it? ESPNU? ESPN Classic? Yeah, it was ESPNU. Yeah, it was just like, yeah. here's like Swedish cannonball shooting or something. You guys get what I'm saying. But to wrap this all up. ESPN would do something like that in, in the early years, too. They had, they had almost anything. They were just trying to get a name out, just like we are. And they, they just did anything. And you wouldn't be you'd be surprised back in the uh, early eighties what they had on. Remember seeing a whole bunch of stuff on ESPN Classic, and um, I mean, World Strongest Man stuff was one of them. But um, there's crazy. But going back, uh, you wanted to wrap up stuff about the hair. But I'll get one more tidbit in about hair before we go on to the next subject. Um, one of my biggest passions is uh, professional wrestling, and of course, wrestling's got a deep, deep history at Hair Arena. I mean, the last ever show i think wrestling show there was probably a ring of honor event and maybe a few years ago but they had a lot of stuff there wwe wcw ecw had a couple pay-per-views there and i think i mean, it was in the early to mid 80s uh jim crockett promotions which uh, would be which is the forerunner to wcw they had one of their first um, expansion shows outside of the uh, south at uh, Hera arena and even before that i'm trying to remember who I don't even know what the name of the promotion was, but um, the original Sheik. I think was it was that Big Time Wrestling. I can't remember the name, but yeah, uh, the yeah. Sheik actually ran um, Dayton, Ohio, ran Hair Arena for major shows in uh, the Dayton area. 
that was like in the 60s and 70s. I need, you know, I need to learn more about wrestling. And I know Mark Schlemmer wants to talk about that in the next podcast episode too. But uh, go ahead, Doug. But, you know, uh, wrestling uh, it, that was pretty big back in the 50s and 60s around here too. And uh, there's a lot of wrestling fans uh, that not only did they go out to Hera, but before Hera, Panel 2 had it in their studio. They had wrestling in their studio. I know wrestling was actually pretty common in the um, 60s and the 70s, but that was just uh, TV stuff to mainly um, – but those were just basically paid advertisements for their big uh, arena shows that would come to, town, come to town. They would use the studio stuff to sell like shows at Hera Arena. Yeah, Omar Williams did the broadcast right from the right from the uh, the studios down there on uh, on Kettering Boulevard, right where we are now. And Omar Williams, that's a blast from the past. I oh, can yeah. I can tell you, being a kid in the '90s that wasn't a sports fan, I still know who Omar Williams was, and that's how I think I remember the old Wright State Viking Raider logo because it was always colorful. It's like, ooh, what's that? Uh, but no, uh, Omar Williams, uh, definitely a throwback moment for me. So uh, thank great you guy. for thank you for bringing that up. Yes, and great guy too. Let me wrap this hair arena point up by saying if you ever want to look at two local Daytonians that know local sports, Brian Reese, Doug Brown of GCSN, they know their stuff. Let me ask this, Quit gentlemen. Lying. What? Quit lying. I act like me, I know anything, but, you know, I don't. Let me give you one more tidbit about the Hell Arena. All right, one more. Back in the 70s, uh, I think it was 76, 77, something like that, mm-hmm. Washington Capitals had their training camp down here. Yeah, the Lefty McFadden experiment. And also, Lyle Stig was one of the uh, first announcers for, uh, for the uh, Washington Caps. That's right. He... Did he come back to do Bombers or no? Uh, I think he did a few games with the Bombers. Uh, I know uh, he came back and he, I know he was on Channel 7 for a while. He was on Channel 22 for a while. I see. So let but, me yeah. let me ask the next question of the podcast. How did you, Brian and Doug, meet? All right, I will answer <laughs> this one, but um, I definitely know it was connected to um, – we were talking about indoor football. We met through that. It was the first year of the um, Miami Valley Silverbacks. I re- can't believe I remember that still. <laughs> I think their first season was in uh, 2006, and I was one of the fans that was in the, um, with the uh, fan club and such behind the visitor's bench, and um, Doug was the PA announcer. And that was the Hobart days, right? Yeah, that was the first season at the uh, Hobart Arena, and those were some really fun times. Yeah, you had know, the crazies in Section 32, I think, wasn't it? I don't remember the exact section number, but I won't doubt you there. <laughs> you two have to come back and see Hobart after its uh, complete renovation, because I got to see... Is the renovation done now, or...? Yeah, uh, it's... Oh, is it right. done? I think so. Because uh, when I went there for the Miami Valley Freeze Tournament, the uh, last part of 2016, it wasn't quite done, but it was it was getting there, and... Um, I think I was talking about that with Jim on episode four of the podcast. Uh, you know how you enter on the east side of – no, wait, east? Is that west? No, I guess that's yeah. west side of the building. Yeah. If you enter on the west side of the building, now you're entering towards the river side of the building. They've they've redone it. it it's it's real nice. Huh. Yeah, I'd love to go I would have to – I agree with you, Doug. I, want, I don't want to check it out just 
for Yucks too. I mean, I, I had some got some good memories at uh, Hobart Arena. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they brought an FHL team there. Um, uh, <laughs> I think you have voted there two to one, Doug. And I say that because Hobart had the single A hockey experience. How do I know? Because I was an intern for their single A. Troy Bruins. Troy Bruins, right after the NJHL season, Northern Junior Hockey League season. And it originally started off great. I mean, there was a team in Cincinnati, the Queen City Storm, and I think the closest team up north would have been Lapeer, Battle Creek. I think there might have been a third Michigan team up there. And then you had Dwyer, Indiana, which is close to Chicago. They were the Indiana Blizzard. Then they became the Chidehound Shooters. Shooters? Yeah, Shooters. Um, Battle Creek ended up winning the whole thing. And then they turned into a junior hockey league team as the Battle Creek Junior Revolution. Uh, most notably for their three-win season. I think they went like, what, 371 or something? It, it, it was Good bad. Lord. Yeah, three wins in the whole season. It wasn't great. And then they turned into the West Michigan Wolves. And for this season in the NA3HL, they are the Lansing Wolves. I think I got my timeline correct on that whole spiel. But, yeah, uh, Troy had their single-A experience, and it it, it, it it lasted half a season. I'm wondering. Uh, I don't know if you would know this, but why did they go from um, junior hockey to single-A? I, li- I liked the – I will admit I didn't go to any of their games as a single-A, but I went to plenty of their um, junior games, and that was, those were fun times. I don't know. Um I did not. Uh, I wasn't part of the junior hockey team with Troy. I was still in college, and when I joined with the Bruins, that's when I first met JT Sabo. He's now working at a HIO in town. Um, he's a good guy. So uh, that's how I met JT. I, I don't know the full answer on that. I do yeah. know uh, his dad, Rick Zabo, is the head coach of Wright State. He's now um, he's now the head coach of the Raiders, and they're now at uh, – Springfield's National Trail Parks in Rack Chiller, or just, you know, Springfield Chiller. Yeah, Rick used to, uh, he played uh, one season with the old Cincinnati Stingers of the WHA, and he came up here and he started playing with the uh, Troy Sabres in Troy, and that's where he met his wife, and uh, uh, he decided to stay. And then he was a uh, head coach of the Troy, uh, Troy Trojans hockey team, too. That's right. They're good. Uh, they're a good high school team. I got to meet some of the Trojan fans uh, while broadcasting with uh, Centerville and eventually Springboro and Kettering Alter. They do have some good fans, and it's fun calling high school hockey. And like I mentioned, maybe not on this recording, but eventually there's going to be a high school hockey podcast episode. You can you can put money on that. I I guarantee you. We're back on hockey. That's just that's like the glue that's holding all of us on here and. We do miss hockey. I mean, yes, there's a junior hockey team in town. Yes, there's high school hockey. But this will be year number two without pro hockey, which is single A and above on that ladder in Dayton, Ohio. And a lot of that, again, going had to go back to here, but a lot of it had to do with Harrow Arena's closure. That was pretty much the only major venue that could hold hockey in the area. And going back to episode two, if – the Dayton Arrows did build that downtown rink, what would happen? Would it be like the Dayton Dragons on the ice type of thing where we're talking about 
over, I don't know what the streak is at now, but I know it's still over a thousand straight games of sellouts. I don't know. And plus, that just brewed into my uh, noggin that one episode I'd like to have Chuck Gabringer join me, and we talk about his book, Hockey and Dayton, which, by the way, for you listening out there, great book. Pick it up. I sort of remember what that we were talking about beforehand. You were just asking how Doug and I met. Mm-hmm. And that's where we mentioned the Hobart Arena. We just sort of drifted off course. But um, let's go back to that a little bit. I can't remember exactly where we um, shook hands and met up afterwards. So I think Doug and I started talking a lot more regularly when I became a season ticket holder for the um, Bombers. Hmm. And I do remember, I think it was during a, they had a viewing for one of their playoff games at um, the Cadillac Jackson uh, Beaver Creek, which is now Caddy's Tap House. Yeah. Which is still weird to yep. think that it's not Cadillac Jacks, it's Caddies. Yeah, but uh, Doug and I, yeah, we met each other again. We just started chatting about um, sports and just watching the uh, Bombers game and such. And that's when it really started to grow. And then we run into each other more at the other Bombers games. And it just blossomed from there. And I know, I think the three of us, I mean, how I got to met, meet you two was uh, Dayton Airstrikers when I was uh, – that was the season of the. That was the season that the Troy Bruins single A experience uh, in January. Told that the team was gone, so I'm looking for something else, and happened to find that the Air Strikers were a thing at Kettering Fairmont High School, well, the James S. Trent Arena, and I think that's how I met Doug and Brian face to face. Yep, yep. That was the first time I met you, and that's um. You and I had the um, pleasure of doing um, stats for the um, strikers there, even though I had never done stats at any level before. And um, I mean, I pretty much like in the days leading up to that uh, season, I was pretty much I was on the um, website. What was it? The FIBA. They had their statisticians manual, and I tried to figure out like exactly what an assist is, what a shot is. And I mean, assist is the big thing. But um, yeah, we um, we both learned it was uh, three dribbles off the ball. You still get an assist, but on the fourth then. You don't, I don't maybe. think I don't think it was that. I think it was just a little bit more vague than that. But uh, I, I know what you mean. I think it had, yeah. direct, it had to be a shot directly from a pass from another player, and yeah, something it, like it's, that. It's, I, I there's know. lots of criteria there, but you know, I didn't know. Just, that's my first time doing stats. That reminds no, no. That just reminds me of another story. About again, not the air strikers. Uh, do you remember? It was after one game. One of the visiting guys wanted us to bump their stats because they got paid so much more for a certain stat. I can't remember uh, which team that was. The Quebec Cabs, because their logo was a frog. And <laughs> actually, that was one of the uh, few Canadian teams that the Premier Basketball League had and helped start the National Basketball League of Canada, which is actually a real big thing up there, apparently. I've so. heard a lot of good things about the uh, of NBL Canada. Yeah. Um, was the Halifax Rainmen, the St. John Millrats, which I don't know what they're called now. It's not the Millrats. And now it's the Halifax Hurricane. That doesn't really matter, but yeah, but yeah, we remember that team. I remember that night. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll try. We never did. Yeah, <laughs> we're nearly thirty minutes in, guys, and we're we bounce sports stories upon sports stories upon sports stories, and it's amazing. It's amazing to think that. You have a little notepad you got in front of you. Just throw it out the window. Well, I don't have a window <laughs> nearby, but uh, yeah, don't worry about that. Just 
<laughs> We're going to have like a five-hour episode that's going to clog the servers of GCSN. That I can't get it onto iTunes or Google Play yeah, or Stitcher crap. or TuneIn or, you know, the ways you can listen to my uh, podcast. Well, nice plug in there, me. Maybe <laughs> part one, part two. <laughs> I thought about doing that for uh, Mark's first episode, but I'm like, nah, it'll, it'll be okay. Well, well, what's next? Let's see. What is next? Gentlemen, tell me a little bit about the before stages of GCSN and what was the exact moment you knew you wanted to create the Gem City Sports Network? Whoever wants to answer. I'll let you handle this one, Doug. Well, uh, going back to one, uh, you know, Brian, uh, he came up to me and he he asked me about it. And, you know, we we were thrown around together and we decided we're going to come up with it and we're going to start doing games. We're going to start our model is basically we do schools and organizations that don't get a lot of loving in the Dayton media. And it's no fault of the Dayton because they just don't have the horses they used to have. Uh, Dayton Daily News, uh, you know, they've only got a few reporters downtown, you know, working. Uh, down there, they get these contributing reporters, you know, you see in the paper every once in a while. Mike Hartsock's the uh, lone wolf down there at Channel 7. Uh and then you got uh, three guys over ch- or uh, two guys over twenty two and two at, uh, at channel two. You got Pole and you know, Jack Pole and Neil Connerman, Hutch Connerman over there too. And then you got uh, Reggie Wilson and uh, James Wright over at uh, uh, twenty two. And yeah, you know, they just can't cover everything. And, also, and, uh, Elkin, Eric Elkin, he's the sports well, director. He, yeah, he's more of a news guy right now, anyway. But uh, yeah, he's the morning anchor, isn't he? No, he's he's on it. He's a reporter at night and weekend anchor on Saturday and Sunday. But, uh, you know, it's just they can't go out and cover everything because they don't have the horses to to go out and do everything. I mean, you'll you'll see uh, uh, good coverage on Friday night, you know, on football, uh, high school football. But, I mean, what what Brian and I do, I mean, we've done everything from Australian rules football uh, to volleyball to, you know, a little bit of everything. Racing, racing, auto racing, uh, and that's that's what I really wanted to get into this year. But unfortunately, something happened. But uh, next year, uh, I mean, we had uh, we've had a lot of listeners uh, for auto racing, and we just you know if there's something that comes up, you know, uh, and Brian, you can uh, uh, chime in on this too. If there's something that you see or something I see and we want to do it, we do it. We just call up and ask them if we can do it. And, uh, and more times than not, they're more than happy to have us. Exactly. I mean, like I did uh, um, this racing from Waynesfield uh, up, up near Indian Lake. had 125 listeners uh, or had 125 downloads. Uh, a baseball game I did uh, earlier this year between Tip and Vandalia. It wasn't live. But I had 125 uh, downloads off of it. It's just amazing what we, you know, so, something that we do. We just say, "Hey, let's do it," and and look what happens. You get a bunch of listeners. I think it's going to be in about uh, was it uh, maybe three months from now? We're going to hit five years now. Yeah, five years of GCSN, and there's been a lot of events you guys covered. Oh yes, and let me talk a little bit more, maybe a little bit of a backstory, Doug. I'm and I apologize if I'm stepping on any toes and such. It started a little bit maybe before the November and such. I mean, we were all like hands in with, hands with um, another um, website. Uh, we all know what it is. I won't say it, but um, yeah. 
long story short, we could see that it wasn't exactly um, a good fit for us. So we all, at various points, um, took a leave. And um, shortly after that, uh, Doug and I was just, um, we were either bouncing off ideas for um, just on emails and on the phone. And then we came up with the idea for Gem City Sports and started doing a little bit of planning and Eventually, we got to that uh, one high, that one Sinclair game as the uh, pilot, and then the game at Be- the infamous game at Belmont. There's not a lot of stations out there that do this one thing. Whose idea was it to archive the games? I think that was yours, wasn't it, Brian? Yeah, I'll take credit for that one. I mean, that's one of the coolest things I thought about GCSN, the internet station before, which, you know, all, all, all three of us were part of. They didn't archive the games. I know there was um, was a player for a team that I covered that wanted to rehear the broadcast, and I did that like twice. Um, but at the same time, archiving games when people can't listen to them when they're live and going back and being able to live those moments again—that's that's special. And at the same time, it's not uncommon for some of the other national um, servers. I mean, obviously, ESPN, um, their watch ESPN servers, they've got a lot of their um, games archived on their servers as well. So it's kind of a natural thing that you got to do in order just to keep interest in. Yeah, and another thing, and another thing, it lets the players, uh, it lets the players listen to that game too. If they had a good game or something like that, say in basketball, they had 30, 40 points. Uh, then you know they want to listen to it and relive it and let people know about it. Yeah, and, and also families and such. They just like to hearing their um, son or daughter's name being mentioned on the air or online. Yeah, I mean we get we get people listening from all over the world, and you know, it's just like the guys that uh, like Mike Mosell from uh, the Dayton Lions. He wants to listen to his team, and he gets to do it when he's over in the Netherlands, and. And it goes for any of the uh, any of the, the people that you know, like for the hockey. You know, when you got when you did hockey there, Lee, you know, people in Canada wanted to listen to it, or some you know people over in Russia or Czechoslovakia or something like that. If their if their son and son was playing, at least they could listen to the game. You know, and 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 uh, you know, hear, hear what he does. And it was great to have uh, to be able to do all the home games. Uh, at least that way, uh, the, the their their uh, their uh, families and friends can listen to it. I mean, I wish I could have done the away games too, but it just it wasn't happening with you know. No, that's true. Things happening, but uh, going back on that point, I think I hope I'm getting this right. But Lester Brown's family, like from the Netherlands, he listened to it, or his family listened to it. He was a member of the Demons third year, and he he was the one that had the really good hands where he could drive the puck up and literally he would just make a curve and then just shoot and then bam it's in the back of the net. That's one goal I just always remember calling. It's just, I think that was one of my better goal calls type of thing. It's also good good for us because we can go back and listen to it. (laughs) We can go back and listen to if we had a good game or something like that you know, uh, we can go back and listen to ourselves and if we make a mistake or if we do something wrong or or have a bad game, we can go back and listen to it and say, okay, well, this is what I did wrong. I'd also say it's a good demo builder, but the problem is if you have a lot of games and you don't know which one to pick, then <laughs> good <No>. luck. 
So that's that's uh, that's a problem. That's a nice problem to have, though. Yes, that that is true. That is a nice problem to have. We got Doug Brown calling in from Brookville. We got Brian Reese, the co-owners of the Gem City Sports Network, the host of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, a podcast I do about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Episode number seven, and we're about halfway through, uh, gentlemen. Before we continue, thank you for taking the time to uh, be on here with me. I wanted to get you guys on here because, A, people should know about what you guys do and what you guys know about Dayton sports, and B, Gem City Sports is a very nice thing to have. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Lee. Let me ask this. For 2017-2018, Brian got the ball rolling with soccer Saturday, and that was... uh, was that Wayne in Miamisburg or Wayne in Middletown? It was Wayne and Middletown. Ah, the Warriors and the Middies, where everyone thinks that they know what the Middies are, and apparently it's... Oh, now I forget. Oh, wait, no. Um, in Middletown's old high school gym, I don't know if it's still their gym, uh, it was a wizard, you know, huh. because Middletown's known for wizards. I've been in the Middletown, one of the Middletown gyms, uh, many, many years back during my, one of my, during my short stint as a basketball referee. I don't remember seeing any of that. Maybe that I don't remember. Maybe I'm making that up. But then, <laughs> Maybe, but then that was the sort of experience I kind of wanted to forget. But someone uh, from Middletown, let me know if I'm not making that up. And no, that wasn't uh, Wade Wade Miller Jim. That wasn't that one. It was uh, actually Middletown's high school across okay. from Miami Middletown. So maybe that's it. Which, by the way, doesn't Wade Miller close this year? Yeah, I think he did. And I think he opened a new uh, school and. A new gym went with it. Yeah, I remember, I think it was Chick, Chick Lovewood that shared that. And I was like, i never been in it, but I felt my heart just kind of hurt just because that's historic. I mean, when you think of basketball, you probably think, ooh, look what Indiana's doing because, you know, that's basketball state USA. But when you talk about Ohio gyms, there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of historical venues, and Miller was one. Now it's not. Now one thing you'll find out when when you talk to that Brady Crush, you'll find out a lot of a lot of Dayton history. Like for example, Belmont High School, they had uh, Don May who went to UD, mm-hmm. and Bill Hoskett that went to Ohio State, both on the same team. And the only time Belmont ever won a uh, state championship was with those two guys, and that was back in 1964. I do need to get a hold of them. That is one idea that I haven't cashed in on yet. And recently, uh, Twin Valley South has been sharing a lot of, like, upgrades they've done their building. The old elementary wing that I was uh, that I was going to school in, that's now the West Alexandria Bulldogs wing. And then the middle school wing, which I went there for a year in middle school, is the Lanier Tigers wing, and the high school wing being Twin Valley South. And around there, West Alex's only state title was the boys' track and field title in 1959. Uh, but I, I like learning history. I like learning things. I need to find if there's like a Preble County one. I mean, I know that's kind of away from Cincinnati and Dayton, but that's like, hey, home county type of thing. Yeah, it's... It's Miami Valley. Yeah, know? and it's it's my home county, and it's something neat because now you have five districts, but back then you had... Like, almost every little village had their own school. Like, you had Gratis, the Trojans. They just celebrated 125 years. Uh, What else did you have? Dixon? 
Is it fixing? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I forget what the original question was. Oh, yeah. 2017-2018. Brian got the ball rolling with Soccer Saturday. Wayne versus Middletown. That's my fault that it spiraled off the thing. I apologize. No worries, man. Um, Soccer Saturday. Doug, you've been doing the – by doing, I mean week one scoreboard show. Yeah. Which has just been one so far. But what's on tap for this season for you guys? Well, Lee, like you just said, for for me, again, it's pretty much just going to be Soccer Saturdays because it's – anyone who's heard me, heard me talk knows it's, it's it's difficult to do stuff and manage a full-time job as well, so – I figured Soccer Saturday is a good thing. Plus, there's a lot of good games that are actually happening uh, this season. I'm trying to remember next week. I've got this coming Saturday. It's going to be at the CJ, the boys. Um, CJ boys are going to be hosting Belmont. And you're going to be at the Glass. Yep, Roger Glass Stadium. That's one of my one of my favorite stadiums out there. And it's only going to be the third time they're going to be on the um, opposite side of the field versus my normal spot in the danger zone. But... Um, <laughs> I love the danger zone. Yep, but at the week after that, I've got a big one. It's going to be um, Beaver Creek Boys hosting uh, St. Charles, and that's going to be a rematch of last year's state semifinal, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, that is nice. That's going to be one heck of a match, too. Yep. You might see some future Raiders on that Beaver Creek squad because Coach Davis of Wright State, he's been reeling in the local talent. I mean, yeah, you're talking about the Carol, you mean Carroll High School? Yes. Speaking of, one of my uh, big ones in that season is actually going to be a doubleheader. I'm going to be heading up to um, Tippecanoe. At the suggestion of uh, Jim DeBelt, it's going to be a doubleheader, boys and girls, the uh, Red Devils against the Patriots. That'll be a good one. I think I was originally going to do just the girls, but when I saw the boys were there at the same weekend, I'm like, I got to do this. Yeah, when when you got two games instead of one, you know, you got to do the DH. You got to do the DH, yeah. right, Doug? I mean, you don't have to, but I you don't have to. I try yeah. not personally, just to avoid burnout. I try not to, but this one was too good to pass up. Fair enough, I like that. And Doug, week two scoreboard coming up for you this Friday. What yep. do you expect to see in week two? Well, I, I expect to see a lot of good games. Uh, one is going to be right over here in Brookville when the Anna Rockets come into town. Both teams, uh, both teams won uh, big. Uh, Belbrook won 34 to 7 over Tri County North, and Anna, I forget who they beat. Uh, they beat Arlington like 50 something to nothing. Did you uh, say 34 to 7 Brookville over TCN? Yeah. Wow. And that was, that was uh, they had to uh, use the uh, running clock on that. Yeah, because uh, in Ohio, 30 points or more at what, halftime? Yeah, in the second half, if it's 35 or more. And it goes into running clock, and the only time you stop the clock is on an out of bounds or a, a uh, injury timeout, or if a team calls a timeout, and that's the only way to do it. Uh, Anna won fifty-two to nothing over Arlington uh, the other night, and yeah, there's a lot of high scores. As a matter of fact, the highest score that I saw was from Cincinnati. And that was Wyoming beating the North College Hill seventy six to six. And North College Hill once upon a time had OJ Mayo, who right. is not playing NBA. He's trying to get back, but um, that's just one thing I know about North College Hill. That and the Trojans, but Wyoming's always had a pretty good football program as well. I'm oh, yeah. 
what I remember going to Valley View is always in the playoffs. It's Valley View, Wyoming, and Valley View won most of those battles. Well, I like to do. Uh, I like the schools that uh, you know they're well. They're Cincinnati and Dayton, but I also go as far as the Western Buckeye League up in uh, Ogles County uh, with Wapakoneta and Salina, St. Mary's, uh, Van Wert, and all those schools up there because they get you know they get uh, they get coverage from the Lima area, but they also get coverage from here. So I like to give them a little. Uh, little time and stuff like that. I think there's like 115 or 120 schools that uh, have football in this area from Cincinnati all the way up to Lima uh, and beyond. That's insane to think about how much high school football we're really exposed to in Southwest Ohio. I mean, we just got a new team too in the Tri-Village Patriots, and I think it's either this year or next year they're full-fledged cross-county conference foes. It's this year. Oh, it is this year? I've lost track of time. So that's nice to see. And I think the only CCC schools that don't have it now is Franklin Monroe, the Jets, and no. No relation to Franklin or Monroe, Ohio. That's townships in Dark County. And Newton, the Indians. Yeah, I think you're right there. And also Fort Lomick joined the group too, joined the CCC. Yes, they did. Was that just for football or is it also for hoops? I think it's for just for football, but I'm not sure. That's why I thought too, but I wasn't fully sure on that. So, but I got eight scores the other night uh, out of, uh, and I couldn't tell you how many games that there was. Probably ninety to a hundred, something like that. There's a lot of games on here. Just I, I looked at my first uh, paper in a long time, and just because you know, I wanted to see some of them. Like I saw Valley View beating. Wilmington in Germantown is like, wow, that's that's a pretty big win because Wilmington, you know, is a big school district. Now, Valley View's got their team back again. That's the thing. They've got their kids back that are playing, and they're they're a good team. And uh, one game that uh, I'd like I'd like to see is uh, Brookville against uh, Valley View, which is going to be down at Valley View this year. I'd like to see that game. Just go to it. Bellbrook Valley View is always good. I mean, yeah. I remember a couple years I did for GCSN. I thought, oh, hey, the Eagles and the Spartans are just going to knock themselves silly and end up Bellbrook winning 33 to nothing or something. But then again, the Spartans' main running back was hurt, and, and that was when he was done for the year, I think, if I'm remembering right. But all I remember is I think that was homecoming, and I know from my previous experience, Valley View and Bellbrook are mortal enemies. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just like uh, Carol CJ or Carol Alter, uh Beaver Creek, yeah. Or Twin Valley, I was about to say Twin Valley North, but this is in 1985. Uh, Twin Valley South and Tri-County North, you know, because both of them are the Panthers and both of them are red and gray. And once upon a time, both of them were Twin Valley. And, you know, and you got to remember, too, that even out of these 115, 120 schools that have football, they all have high, uh, they all have uh, soccer, both boys and girls soccer, which is, uh, which is, Amazing because you get all these kids that are playing. Look at all these kids that are playing high school sports, whether it be JVs, freshmen, varsity, whatever. You're getting all these kids playing, playing, uh, playing sports, and some of them like, uh, like a new Luke Kennard. I mean, look what he did. He's in the NBA. He's, He's from Franklin, the- Ohio. Who who would think that? Oh, Franklin, Ohio. That's going to be the birthplace of what could be an NBA star. Now, of course. 
Not a single man in NBA so far, but just think. If he does well, he does good. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you just look at all the all the all the kids that have come out of this area that have gone in onto the pros, uh, and it's it's just uh, it's just amazing, and that's why I like doing the smaller schools, in which we you know we've done a lot of those. Uh, you know, I know Lee, you've done some uh, over here in uh, Preble County, you know the Middletown Madisons and the Preble Shawnees and the Eaton Eagles and so forth, Tri County North, Twin Valley South. Uh, yeah. I liked it when, you know, I, I only had to drive five minutes to my school. <laughs> and and then, uh, Brian, you know, you, you're doing Carroll, and you're doing you know, Bellbrook and so forth like that. Uh, Oakwood, you know, they don't, they, you know, they're right there. I mean, they don't get a lot of coverage. Uh, Dayton Christian. Uh, I'm, mild, I'm mildly upset that I'm not going to be able to go to, the, uh, to Dayton Christian to do that one, and I think you're going to be taking over for me on that one. That's only a girls game now because they oh, switched only girls? the boys game. They switched the boys game uh, to another date because of a wedding that day, and so they're only going to have the girls game at noon. And I think they switched the boys game between Dayton Christian and Catholic Central to another date. Uh, and I still got the email. I think I'll. Uh, That's a bizarre it. reason to cancel a high school um, game of any kind. Well, that could have been one of the coaches too. Don't yeah, know. You either know. either way, it's still bizarre. Yeah, it is, but it's, you know... It's... But I'm, either way, I'm still disappointed that I'm not going to be able to make that one. I went there last year. They did not have a press box. I think it was either being reconstructed or whatever, and it wasn't in any state to be occupied at all, so uh, that was one of my uh, not-so-fun trips. I literally had to bring in sort of a mobile press box, if you will, which was basically a 10-foot by 10-foot tent, which you've probably seen before, Lee, and you mm-hmm. too, Doug. Folding table, the laptop, all my stuff, and a giant uh, was it marine battery, which was like like fifty pounds yeah. or so. That was that's <laughs> so much fun to look around. So much fun, he says. You know, without airplanes, we still got it on. We still got it on, and a lot of people appreciated it too. Yeah, but uh, I will tell you what, it took maybe maybe about an hour or so after the broadcast to load everything back up into the car and. <laughs> It was October, and I was sweating bullets by the time I left. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. But, you know, uh, you know, getting back to the original question, you know, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Like Brian says, we've got uh, some more soccer coming up on Saturdays. Uh, Bell at, at Chaminade Julienne and uh, you know, down at Roger Glass Stadium. And, uh, you know, we got, uh, we got Sinclair Volleyball coming up, too. Uh, on uh, that's not going to happen this week. I mean, I think they're on the road for a long time. Uh, I think until the end of September. And if uh, if you listened to last week's podcast episode, I am sorry I didn't get to college volleyball, college football, and college soccer took up an hour and a half. I'm like, I didn't even get to high school football or college volleyball. I'm I'm disappointed in myself because college volleyball. There's a lot more programs to talk about. I mentioned the college soccer, and Sinclair does not have a team, but I did mention if, you know, the Tartans and the Tartan Pride ever thought, hey, soccer, that's where it's at, maybe AIA would be available. I don't know. 
Maybe, or maybe uh, Roger Glass might be willing, or CJ and Roger Glass Stadium, maybe, or since they're I, nearby. I like your thinking. That's just a stone throw away from campus, isn't it? Yep. And then if they would let them use the uh, big field, there's that, that the auxiliary field on the side. That could That's be good, too. They, it was not uh, FIFA width. It's not that wide enough, but you can still use it. It's it's usable. That's the thing. Yeah, it, anything can be used uh, if people want to just let them use it. I mean, you know, North... Um, when we were, I think we were all involved with the uh, Dayton uh, Diamonds women's football team, right? I wasn't. I wanted to broadcast, but I just I never got. We, act, we I don't think we ever actually did broadcast anything from the um, Diamonds at all. And that's no. that's women's football for those yeah. that don't know, and but, that's that's actual tackle, not you know yeah, lingerie. Ha, ha, it's, ha. Yeah, yeah, but I kind I kind of missed that. That's that's been gone for like how many years now? Oh, that's been gone for four or five years, six years, something like that. Uh, Tiny Jackson, I'm still, you know, we're good friends with you know, Brian and I. We're still good friends with her. And, uh, but, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, they wanted, they went to different stadiums and stuff like that. And it was all dependent if the school itself wanted to allow them to come in and play, play their games there. I mean, they were at Fairmont, Northridge, or Fairmont, Northmont. Jefferson and I forget where the other one was. I remember the Northmont one. I think. I remember Northmont. I remember Springboro and Jefferson. Those are the ones I remember. Okay. Springboro was the other one then. But, uh, you know, those girls, I wouldn't want to get them ticked off at me. I mean, they flattened me. They flattened all of us. I mean, they, they went out there and they played like the NFL. And uh, and they were hitting hard, and some of the girls, you know, they got hurt, and and uh, they just uh, they knew that they weren't going to be able to play, but yet they were determined to make a go of it and say, hey, we're we're a women's pro football team, we can do this, we can play the game of football, but you know, it was it's something like that, it, you know, going back to what you said about uh, Sinclair maybe playing down at Roger Glass. Now that that field, I mean, the first ever home field of the Shamanah Julian Eagles, and uh, we did the first broadcast from there. You did a broadcast from there too. Uh, the first uh, soccer game uh, and such there. Yeah, the first soccer match, first ever event there. Um, at, uh, maybe I don't think I did the first ever one. I think they had there was a girls one that was happening early on, and I could, I don't think I, I don't think I could get there until the boys one. But I think that one actually never really counted because they called it due to weather. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the uh, the infamous lightning delays. Oh, fun, yes. fun, fun. <laughs> I should say too, if Sinclair did have soccer, the only Cincinnati State and Sinclair battle you'll get this season is soccer because Cincinnati State closed up shop on everything except I because re- they have the teams. Yep, I remember that. And soccer, from I remember, would have been on the chopping block too, except they found a way to get their finances in straight um, before the season began. So. Bearcats uh, men's soccer team had a Cincinnati State guy. Uh, I forget who he is, but I saw it on the roster, and I know I did. So Not bad. Yeah. We're here with Brian Reese and Doug Brown. We're talking GemCitySports.com. We're talking Dayton sports. And we have talked a lot of Dayton sports, gentlemen. Just what we all know is it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think this has been a very good episode so far. And... 
like I said, thank you for allowing me to host my podcast, being a part of it. I know I haven't been able to help as much as I have in years gone by, but being able to talk Sunday sports on here has it's been awesome, and people seem to like it. So thank you, gentlemen. Well, I know I do. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great to have a tool like this because, uh, like you and uh, Mark Schlemmer were saying, you know, people want to talk Dayton, Dayton uh, sports. or They want to talk sports here in Dayton. Mm-hmm. And where else can they go? I mean, you can talk sports here. I mean, Schlemmer is great at it. And if you really want to go after a big gun, go after Chick Ludwig, too, because he knows a lot about it, too. I do need to say hi to Chick again. Uh, Chick had me on his one of his uh, radio shows when he was on 980 a couple years back. I think uh, yeah. you were on his show one time on, yeah. on 980, too. Actually, one or two I, times. I think, hang on, let me pull up the time. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm, Doug, Doug was on there, too, I believe. So. Well, I've been on a couple of times. Let me pull up the time hop, because I think it was a couple years to this day. And yes, I use time hop to remember such things like that. Don't judge. And also, last year was that bad flood at Roger Bacon uh, Field. Uh, Doug, I can't show you because you're not here in Kettering, but I can show you, Brian. And yeah, oh was... my goodness, Doug, you can't see this, but uh, it's pretty much a brown water as far as the eye can see. And I know oh. Roger Bacon's colors are brown and gold, not unlike altars, but um, that's water. That's yeah. not that's not a brownfield. That's that's water. I can imagine what it looks like. Oh yeah, it, it was bad. That was one year ago, not today. So yep. let's go through the time hop. This is a very exciting portion of the podcast. <laughs> if anyone ever wants to sponsor running it, we can by, use running play by play commentary of watching Lee flip through his phone. Swipe, 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 swipe. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we can always uh, say what's coming up this weekend on the Gem City Sports Network. Well, we've already done that, but uh, why the heck not? Um, we still got, oh, we still got uh, Central State football coming up this weekend too. The second, you got Elizabeth City State University in town. Right. That and is that's that is probably the one of the longest college names I've had to <laughs> spit out, and that one was kind of flawless at that point. Although. There's St. Mary's of the Woods that I said last week, and I think it was IUE soccer. It was D3 soccer, something like that. But Do you mind if I uh, just derail stuff a little bit I mean, while you're flipping through stuff? I, just, I got a question of my own I want to ask you guys, just um, okay. since we're all tied up in with the, the Gem City Sports, GemCitySports.com in some way. It's not on there, so go ahead. What would you say for, for each of you was your most uh, memorable, um, positively memorable broadcast as maybe not, well, maybe not even with Gem City Sports, but as – Overall, Doug, you got you probably have a lot more than me on this one. You can go first. Well, one game I remember was last was it last year uh, doing Central State basketball. It was a girls' game or a women's game, and it was like uh, just a couple of seconds left, and uh, a girl made a layup. Uh, she went baseline. Made her, I think it was a, I don't know if it was a reverse lap or what, but she let it, it went in, and the place erupted, and the Central State Marauders they won the game. It's games like that that I like, you know. Or it could be uh, it, that was that was the most memorable game that I've ever called. And also Beacom Lewis too. I've I've been in that gymnasium. It's quite That's nice, cool. especially when the marching Marauders are up there and they're making noise. You can't hear yourself talk. 
You can't hear yourself thinking there. It's amazing. It's a great gym. And Central right, State basketball is good, too. And, and they're on top of you. I mean, they sit down at the end, at the end of the court, and they're right on top of you. It's almost yeah. it's almost like again going back to Oakwood's pit, but that's really the only gym I know that right. does it. But it's a three quarters pit because you can sit all around except for the wall with the scoreboard on it on the second yeah. story. I have yet to go to Central State for anything, Doug. You're gonna have to remind me to when I'm not busy with something else or I've got another UD game or whatever. You gotta remind me to get to one of those games. I want to check it out. Plus, just going back to St. Clair, it's been a while since I've been in St. Clair's gym and. I always like those games. I, I kind of miss that place. So the only I'm going to have to remind me to, have to, have to remind myself to go back to this. There's plenty of stuff that I've been missing out on. The only building or the only gym named Building 8, Mark Schlemmer, sometime a couple years back. I don't remember. <laughs> many times. Many, many moons ago, Mark has said the only building named Building 8 or something like that. The only arena called Building 8. Yes, that's what it was. That's I, it. I know I won building twice, but I, that's... And, and you know, know Jeff Price will say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Preble yeah. County guy, too. Yep. Tri-County North. Mm-hmm. Lewisburg. TCN. Lord wait. Did he graduate Tri-County or Twin Valley North? Uh, Probably Twin Valley. We'll have to ask him. One day we'll have to get... Uh, we'll have to get Jeff Price on here, too. Mark told me he's got some oh, good yeah. stories. And uh, Steve Denneman. The, the baseball coach down there. Steve Dinneman's uh, a good guy. Yes, he is. The one broadcast I had with Sinclair Baseball was at the University of Dayton's now Spectrum Stadium. Spectrum. The, yes, spe- Spectrum, the Spectrum now, whatever they call it. The Spec. I, li- I like that. I, I hope I can use that, but I don't think. Uh, but no, yeah, the Spectrum Stadium now. Um, the pregame interview I did with him, 20 minutes. We were, just, <laughs> we were talking about what's coming up. About, I think it was Northwestern Ohio's uh, JV squad, the Racers. Right, it was, because that's, that's the only team they played down there. And, of course, you know uh, UNOH being most notably known for their purple infield, or not purple, maroon infield. It's awesome. <laughs> I think it's still natural outfield grass, but the infield's artificial and it's maroon color. It's awesome. That would be, I can't, I've never seen it before. I can't um, that sounds too bizarre for me, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I it's mean, something that would mess with your mind if you thought about it too much. I mean, is it any weirder than Eastern Michigan's Grayfield, which wow, looks well, like the TV has blown <laughs> its bulb? I've never seen that. The closest thing I've seen to that was um, in the old arena football days, the L.A. Kiss had that um, stupid yeah. Grayfield. A kiss of football. No. Yes, I remember that. Um one of the what, Iowa what? Barnstormers uh, foes had a great field. Was it Sioux Falls this year? I think it was Sioux Falls. Maybe Sioux City. Don't I mixed remember. them up on the Schlemmer one. But well, you know, uh, Boise State has a has a blue field. Oh, you, that's that's one of the most legend. That's the legendary one. Eastern yeah. Washington has a red field. Well, not <laughs> red, but yeah, they have that. Let's let's hope Central State or none of these high schools around here do that. <laughs> Shamna Julian has a green field. Oh, wait, wait. Well, <laughs> oh, boy. No, they put a blue field in there, too. Yeah, but, yeah, but the end zones don't count. Nah, no. nah. No. No, Boise State has an entirely blue field. And, uh, it's, just, but you know, it's just weird to think, you know. You see, you know, shrines of sports, and they're like, 
hey, let's make an orange field. That will be cool and new and great, and people will love it. My eyes yeah. hurt just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I hate, though, and and uh, a lot of schools are doing it now, mm-hmm. is dark uniforms with dark numbers. Um, a broadcaster's worst nightmare. In college, when I was covering uh, women's soccer in WWSU, uh, I think this was Valpo's first or second year in the league. Black jerseys. No feeling on the numbers. Brown outline. Nighttime. Ick. Beat that. Ashley almost breaks his pen on the floor here. <laughs> My worst nightmare was the, the game last year when Salem International came here. Ah, oh, the Tigers. And they had black jerseys with dark green numbers. And mm. you no outline. And I... I told the I told the SID up at Central State. I said, "There's no way I'm going to call a game if they wear their dark jerseys. I can't do it. I can't tell the numbers." That is and tough. Trying to remember, Doug. You and I have done. What was it? Uh, which is the big time city league game? Was it the Marshall Dunbar, or I think it's something else? Or uh, where we did? Yeah. When was it? When was it? We, it was at the Trent Arena. I can't oh, remember. Was a triple header. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was a triple header? It may, been, it may, it may have been a, tri- it may have been a tripler, but we did the main event, I think, for that one. Dunbar and tri- and Dunbar and uh, Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, Marshall and uh, Dunbar. Yeah, I remember one of the, one of those teams had the um, nightmare jerseys as well. So yeah, that was Thurgood Marshall. Can I tell you about jerseys that weren't nightmarish, but because it was night and the lights were shining on it, the numbers kind of disappeared. <laughs> Wright State Dayton at Alumni Field again, women's soccer, and it's nighttime. And I'm having trouble seeing the Flyers jerseys because it, the light's bouncing off of it. It's not, you know, a design flaw. It's just the light's bouncing off it. So the Flyer fans that made the trip to Wright State helped me out on the broadcast. I'm like, thank you so much. And, and wouldn't you know it, I'm working at Wright State and Dayton. Yeah. And, and people are uh, like, yeah. wait, why do you have Wright State and Dayton stickers on your car? Because I want to. Never mind. Oh, you can't like both of them. Exactly. They're good schools, it, and they're both great for the community, like Sinclair is. Exactly. And what you can do, Lee, is if when uh, Dayton and Wright State play, whether it be in volleyball or soccer or whatever, or other sport, you get a red sweater, cut it in half, and put a red and green sweater, sweater together with Wright State on one side and UD on the other side. Then you, then you can't go wrong. Doug, do you really think I have the craftsmanship of stitching sweaters together I d- don't that's why they invented duct tape <laughs> i'll just I'll, I'll just have silver duct tape sweatshirt i like that no i i, I dress uh who who's um who i'm working for so if i'm doing a right state game and dayton's in town it's right state and vice versa if dayton's hosting right state it's ud gear i i don't cross my employers I do, nope. <laughs> I do like the fact that I still saw a perfect game from Wright State Baseball and Jesse Schulten's. Oh, the, wow. The first Wright State Dayton game I get to PA for baseball, and it turns out to be a perfect game where the Raiders win one nothing. What are the odds? Uh, I was like, I was looking in six innings like, that can't be right. Flyers have a walk, right? No? And we're getting closer. Like, I just saw a perfect game. I just that's, saw a perfect game. And then the next that's, right that's up. <laughs> and then that's the not, next the White State game I work. Like, can I have one of those perfect game shirts? No. But I saw it. 
<laughs> you work at UD. Oh. <laughs> and they were cool because they had uh, Jesse Schulten's beard. And he's been at Fort Wayne. He's uh, in the Padres organization. He's been okay. with single A Fort Wayne twice. And when he's been with Fort Wayne, he hasn't come through Dayton. I'm kind of upset. I haven't got to see uh, Schulten's pitch. But I think he's in advanced A, possibly double A now. But still, it's neat to see the athletes that you get to announce for move up. And you were mentioning that with Luke Kennard. But I think there's two athletes from opposition teams that I've seen this year. One is Nick Sine, and he broke the Midwest League record for being hit. <laughs> 37 hit by pitches. That broke the record. Um, who was the other one? The Amal Machine, but he, he's been he's been – I don't think he's with South Bend or Chicago Cubs anymore. I think they traded him. But who isn't there for the machine? Vima Machine, VCU. Still one of my favorite names I've ever announced. So the original question from Brian was on this. The most memorable broadcast. Was that right? Yeah, I think yeah, that was it. Okay. Um, what was yours? Um, that's a tough one myself. I've had a the first, the only one, the first one I can think of, maybe not well memorable, in that I've been in that arena so many times, but never as a member of the media was University of Dayton Arena when I was um going back to the third to the Marshall third of Marshall and Dunbar stuff when they had some city league big games there. Just being there, just being there at court level. I've I've been at court level a few times before, but never at, at that level, like with the court right in front of me. And actually having the opportunity just to stand in the middle of a UD arena, even though it was totally empty, just that was as, as a UD graduate and a UD lifelong UD fan, that was special. And I know where you're coming from too. Um, being at another center, completely quiet, just having your own thoughts to yourself. Like, wow, I'm broadcasting here. It's really cool. And also, my first trip to UD Arena, that's where I actually met one of my bosses at uh, UD. And uh, she's awesome. Crystal's awesome. That's where I first met her. Uh, calling Wright State Dayton women's basketball. Just, But that's not the answers I want to give. Um, you mentioned could be at GCSN, could be away from it. I'll answer both sides for you. Whatever you like. For GCSN... I hate to go back to it, but I really think, you know, game three and game four, the year the Demons won the cup, just because that was the turning point, the night that the Demons had their black jerseys shown, win at OT, win the fourth game in regulation, and they go to Danbury, and we do the Sharks game, Brian, come down to the pub afterwards, and it's 7-2 to two or something like that, and then we win at 9-2, to two. and just being part of that, just having that energy there at the pub, I remember feeling a little bit of nerves just being in, in the uh, penalty box. I mean, I mean, I was busy doing the game, but still in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how's the uh, Demons game going? I I shouldn't admit it because it makes me sound like a terrible broadcaster, but I did have the uh, game sheet for the Demons. <laughs> game 5 tucked away. Like, I've spoken on the Sharks game. Was that the River Monsters? It may, it may have been. I I. That was one of the last games of the season, so it very well may have been. I don't remember if that was that year or not, because I know the last game was Northern Kentucky because they had the uh, the fans below us had the uh, monster horns of like, Woo-hoo! or something oh, like that. Oh, yes. Yeah, you remember the time we went to uh, Evansville? 
Okay. Uh, Doug's talking to me about this one. I think that was I think that was a pre GCSN trip. I think that may have been before GCSN, but um, I think so. But I do I do remember that just. Just yeah, video form or something like that. Yeah, I was doing like a little bit of video. It was like one of my um, hair-brained video projects that I wanted to do, but never really got off to. But the raw video ended up being used because um, the coach um, got kicked out for some reason. He just made an off-color comment to one of the officials, like saying this is like eight on twelve, and then the referee turned around and just kicked him out for whatever reason. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I was with another. Uh, station because i think i did it i, I was doing yep. the game. that was that was for um yeah that was that was for another station one of the better ones though yeah so and, i mentioned uh, but, so i mentioned that's probably the ones i most remember for gcsn which well, which is probably the games that you're gonna remember because yeah, they won a championship i mean i, I can go back to the old 75 76 gems Tell you about the game-winning goal that Stan Jonathan had uh, back in '76. You know I mean, I'm, I, you know I'm giving you a little time to talk about that because, yeah, I, know. I mean, this is going to sound great, but you've seen the most sports out of the three of us. That's right. probably the nicest way I could say that without saying, "Ha ha, you're old." I'm old. I know, but I didn't want to say it, but no. I did. So that makes no. that makes it wonderful. I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to be <laughs> jerk about that, but you know yeah. that's definitely one of the last things I want to ask uh, while wrapping it up. But well, it's just one of those things that uh, you know you're going to remember. I mean, you've got the ring. Oh, I wear it every game. And and uh, one of the things I'm going to remember is, is getting the ring from Sinclair when I went to the World Series. It's right. Uh, I get that one there. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice ring too. And that was awfully nice of Sinclair to um, get one out for you. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I love Sinclair. I love Central State and and all the sports that we do. Uh, I can't wait to get back into the booth, and that comes Saturday afternoon, and uh, and I sell gold, and it's going to come true. On uh, it's it's going to come true on Saturday, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. All right, and Liam, I hate to go going back to you. You were saying like the your best number outside of GCSN were you about to say that or yeah but then I was thinking about it's like I've done I've done nearly 1200 games with a microphone in front of my face that's not counting the podcast because there's only now seven I don't know I mean last year was last year I was a nervous train wreck because okay there's no hockey what do I do and I'm lucky that Nick Poe of South Metro Sports picked me up and was like hey there's a junior hockey team coming in. You want to broadcast some of those games? Like, yeah. And then a couple games into the season, which, by the way, the team was Cincinnati Thunder of the NA3HL. And then he's like, let's do Centerville games because he was an assistant coach with the Elks at the time. And they play there at South Metro Sports. So I was like, okay. So I got to meet some the greatest fans. I mean, my hockey family grew twice-fold and – there's some trips that I make and the players would come up to me. It's like, thank you for broadcasting our games. It's really cool. And we would do these on uh, the Elks YouTube page. 
they made their own YouTube page, and then we had our capture card. Man, the setup was awesome. I can't wait to go back to it and see it again. But I got to go to Miami University. I got to go to Bowling Green State University. I got to see both their rinks. No, I did not go to the main rink of Miami, though. The club team, the Red Hawks club team was playing. I was like, dang it. Yeah, but, yeah I, I hope. But we were, in, we were in the next rink over, and that's still cool because the Zamboni Tunnel connects both rinks. And they had a Taco Bell <laughs> Zamboni of all things. It was cool. A Taco Bell Zamboni? A Taco Bell Zamboni. And this is not new colors Taco Bell. This is when they had the purple color scheme, too. So it's a purple Zamboni just going around the ice. <laughs> they had two, actually, going both. And I was like, okay, time to take a break. And the Zamboni's leave the ice. What? What's this? Not period three already. Give me a break. But, um... Yeah, we've seen too much uh, low-level like with just one Zamboni. With the NHL, they got two. And um, obviously, I guess NCAA level, I guess they got two available. I think so. I know with club, it just depends on the rink. You know, Wright State and Dayton don't have two. It's just whatever Kettering and Springfield have. Um, what else was I saying? Miami Bowling Green went up there. A uh, couple of the chillers, which is, you know, operated by the Blue Jackets. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't get to go to Nationwide Arena, but it was cool going to some of the chillers. Uh, we went to Lewis Center for the last playoff game for the Elks trying to think um, not Dublin uh, Easton we went to the Easton one and I think that's it uh, you know I think the state playoffs are nationwide for hockey yeah and that'd be cool to broadcast I mean just to be calling the action the same sheet of ice that the NHL Blue Jackets play on in fact, Beaver Creek this year actually has a chance to do that. And I forget who they play. I don't think it's all on Tangy Liberty, but it's ringing a bell. Might be St. Charles. Huh. But yeah, that's... yeah, Beaver Creek gets to play on uh, Blue Jackets ice. Well, that's if you go grab and, and go over there and do a game. Yeah, I, I'm, I might see. I mean, it depends what's at South Metro because there's a, there's a lot of hockey during the year. In fact... Well, with... Would you rather do a game or just do one game at uh, Nationwide? Because you can do all the games you want to over there. Well, Doug, let's not put him on the spot right now. He's got... I mean, you still have to pay to <laughs> broadcast the ones at Nationwide. Right. I think it's like... Yeah. What's what's sad is, though, um, there's not a lot of Cincinnati and Dayton high schools that have hockey. In Dayton, you have Centerville, Springboro, Alter, Oxford, Talawanda which is nice because they can just play at uh, Miami. Um, and Cincinnati, you got St. X, Elder, Muller, and I swear there's a fourth one. Oh, yeah, LaSalle. LaSalle's coming in this year. And Sycamore. So it's five. And Sycamore is actually led by former NHLer Blaine Stockton. I got to talk to him a little bit before Centerville's senior day. So I know there's no pro hockey in Dayton. You have double A with the Cincinnati Cyclones at U.S. Bank Arena, but... It's not the same. Not even close. High school hockey is awesome. You should give these kids a chance. They play it the right way, and yes, you can check in high school. You just can't fight because you get suspended for that, I believe. Yep. There's, um... You know, I'll, I'll say this on the podcast. Last year, doing my first youth hockey, 
it's weird to see checking illegal, but I know why. You don't want to teach just check. Just run everyone into the boards. I had to ask. Yep, and at that level, it's not about the aggression, it's about the skills. Yes. I had to ask the uh, referee what this was, which is um, beat it on your chest. Um, yeah, it's a different sign I never saw. I was like, that means check, right? Yes. So yeah. I met a lot of cool people last year at South Metro Sports, and I can't thank them enough for including me part of their hockey family. So. Thank you. I'll see you this upcoming season. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was very long winded on that. But I don't know if I can really pinpoint memorable broadcasts anymore because to me, they're all special. I might not remember what happened in the game, who played or what went on. But at the same time, I was there. So that's that's pretty cool for me. I think that's why we do what we do because we love we love the we love sports. We love the podcast, and it it just gives uh, gives the the kids um, and the players something to listen to. Saying, "Hey, we're on the internet. You know, you can listen to us in, in Russia or Ireland or China or Japan or wherever." Yeah, and, China because they got their crazy uh, wacky uh, firewalls and such there. But that's yeah. another discussion for another podcast. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it, it's just something that um, you know the kids. The kids love us when we come out. And they see us there. Um, I just a couple of weeks ago, I was out at Central State uh, at their spring uh, their uh, scrimmage game. That was a fan appreciation day, and I had a couple of the basketball players come up and say, "Hey, are you going to come back? Are you coming back next year or this year?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm definitely going to be back." You know, and, and that's and. It, it's not only that, it's not only the kids from Central State or Sinclair or something like that, but you know, these high school kids or the grade school kids that we do stuff for, uh, you know, they, they appreciate it just as much as the parents do. And, and, uh, and I keep saying that's why we do what we do. And uh, uh, at least that's what I do. That, that's what I like, you know, because I like broadcasting. I like sitting in the booth. I like sitting there calling a Central State game or a Sinclair game or uh, shoot, we did uh, youth baseball last year, a couple of games down at Howard Field uh, for mm-hmm. championship games and stuff like that. And it's not uncommon for us to do something like that. I mean, that's why we've got over, what, 1,140-some broadcasts. <laughs> it's, it's insane to think, you know, five years, just how much ground you guys have covered with GCSN. And like I mentioned – if people don't know about it, I mean, they're missing out on a lot of good local sports. We're going to do an Australian rules football game sometime. Um, I don't know. And speaking of Aussie football, um, I know Brian has been working very hard to get something going here in Dayton. And for those that might be interested in it, don't know, but like, hey, I want to try a sport, Brian. Tell me about the Dayton Warhawks. Yeah, you're pretty much looking at it right now, Lee. Hey, I hate to say there's not a whole lot to it right now. I, I've been trying to get it going for the last uh, seven or so years with the very, I want to say varying degrees of success. Well, I don't I don't know what else to say. But I'm trying to get it going again this year. I'm probably going to have, by the end of the season, it's kind of ending this year for the USA. It's, um, that, their season's going to properly end in um, October, mid Middle of October with our national championships in California this year, I believe. 
So the Dole's kind of closing for chances to get something going on at a major level this year, so it made the shoot more towards next year. But right now I'm trying to do some Wednesday stuff at um, at a park in Centerville. It's um, Iron Horse Park on Milshire Drive, I think. Yeah, that's um, – you have to get to Milshire on in Kettering, right? Like it's off Whip, right? Yes, it's off Whip Road. Okay. It's technically a, technically center, Centerville and Washington Township under that park registry, uh, but it's closer to Kettering than anything else. Let me draw the line of Kettering slash Centerville slash Washington Township. There's the yeah, line. Squiggly, tiny squiggly line. And well, if, if it's a maroon sign, you're in Kettering. If it's a blue sign, you're in Centerville. If it's a green sign, you're in Washington Township. There you go. <laughs> And I've seen one of each of those colors in that sign there. Yeah. On Ron Road, you see, like, all three of them in, like, a block. And just, wow, where are these colors coming from? Uh, anyway, I'm trying to get some little, like, a little training, like, a little casual kicking the football. Uh, Wednesdays at uh, 6.30 p.m. So if anybody is listening and is athletic enough, probably more so than me, that wants to give a new sport a try, go ahead and give it. And for those that don't know about Aussie football, what can you compare it to that people are like? Oh, I want to play that. Well, that's pretty. It's pretty hard. It's pretty. It's a very much a unique sport to itself, but it's got elements of soccer, football, rugby, a little bit of basketball in it too. It's got running. It's got kicking. It's got tackling, and games are very, very high scoring. It's pretty much anything you could ever want in a sport. I've broadcasted. I was going to say one, but I was like, oh yeah. Uh, Brian and I did the 49th Parallel Cup in Dublin uh, a couple yep. years back. That was about, the, about six years ago, I want to say. That was quite a while ago. Yeah, it was. Wow. Uh, where yep. does time fly on that? But pretty much no. you get a gigantic ball. You have to kick it, and you can tackle, which is underneath the shoulders but above yep. the waist. Yeah, I think right? it's, by rule, I think it's between the shoulders and the knees. Okay. Okay. So it's a lot more area than I gave, but. You know, that's yeah. Oh, when you're running on the field, it's it's kind of a blur anyway. No pads, by the way. Right, no pads. Just the only thing we might have is a mouth guard and maybe a one or two other things. But um, pretty much, you're unpadded. It's like rugby in that sense. It is like rugby in that sense. I don't see too many guys wearing the soft helmets though in the game. But we don't lead with the head so much, and then the head's not really a prior a definitely off limits as far as tackling goes you're not leading with your head you're trying to lead more right. with your body so you don't you know it's a fun sport people give it a chance and i think you guys will like it too brian actually got me hooked with it with the cincinnati dockers which play at uh, fairfield right by the forest fair mall yes or well, what remains of the forest fair mall the forest fair nothing because nothing's ever going in there well I know uh, the uh, national tournament in Mason uh, and uh, over in Dublin. That was that was quite a few years ago, but um, yeah, that was about Mason and in uh, Dublin. Yeah, the Mason one was with another station at the time too. I remember that. Um, I think that's the first time I ever saw an Australian meat pie. It was it was kind of neat. Oh my god, I miss those things. I need to find a recipe for those. That's that's not for this podcast, but they t- <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you when we stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's happened in Ohio a couple times, the U.S. AFL Nationals. And like I mentioned, it's a great sport and you can get 
this sport in the Sunday area. Brian's trying to start up a team in Dayton, Ohio. It's the Warhawks, and the badge is awesome. And yes, it is. Yep, and uh, it was designed by um, a guy out of Cincinnati by the name of Tony Neary. Give him a shout out here. I don't know what company he works for nowadays, but um, he's his company at that time designed the logo. He's a really good dude, very talented um, artist and graphic designer. What else did he do? That name sounds familiar, and I feel like I know Tony something. Neary. He used to play for Cincinnati for a while. One of my teammates for a while. I don't remember exactly what else he did. Oh, I think he also designed some stuff for the. Um, River Monsters, I want to say, back when oh. they were first a team. Wow, that's cool. It is cool. I like I like learning about that. <laughs> but anyway, back to the um, USAFL thing. Yeah, I'm trying to get some going on Dayton, and you mentioned a team in Cincinnati. There's also teams in the area. There's one in Columbus, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, and for a few years now, there's been a team in Cleveland, mm-hmm. Louisville. Maybe a little bit further away, you've got the Chicago, Milwaukee, Nashville, Tennessee. New York, Baltimore, Washington has oh, a yeah, team. Oh, yeah, there's teams all over the country. There's a lot of teams in California, too. Oh, yeah, I think California's pretty much – I don't know if they got their own league right now. That's mm. hate to say I've been out of the bubble for a while, but um, they, they it's, it's really, really grown. I think there's one in Tulsa, Oklahoma now. Mm. And I think – I want to say Des Moines maybe as well. And there are women's teams, too. Yes. Um, not every city has a women's team, but – Women do play as well. Correct. The um, only one that's got a women's team local, regionally to me that I know of is uh, Columbus. Yep, the Jillaroos. Correct. And the men being the Jackaroos. And one of the ladies that's come down to practice some every now and then is from from the uh, air, from the local area, but uh, trains with the uh, the Columbus team. That's really cool. I like yeah, that. When I came down to Mason, they had, they had what, about 15 or 20 women's teams down there or something? Uh, like that. I think it was that many, maybe four, maybe eight or so. But then again, I don't know. Maybe they had. Maybe they did expand to Division Two by then. But uh, I don't remember. But I, I think I think nowadays they've got two divisions for women. But uh, if anyone's listening and knows, correct me if I'm wrong. And I know when it was at Mason, I think there was what five fields. There was the Cooper's yep. Field, which is Cooper Field. Cooper's Field was the the Division One field. Yep, that's the that's your big matches, and then you had uh, your side matches. Um, they pretty much had a one field for each division. Coopersville was Div 1, and also all the uh, grand finals with all all but one or two of the grand finals would take place at that field. Um, at that tournament, I was in the lowly Division 4, so we didn't get to play at that lovely field, but um, I'm lucky for that, us. But when I say us, I mean Cincinnati and Louisville. But And if I remember right, the last match that was there, it was a battle of Magpies, and I forget who won it, Dallas or New York, but they had to give it up. Sure. Yeah, it, it was it was Dallas, if I remember, and yeah, that yeah, and they, but they had to forfeit the cup because they played an ineligible player. I'm oh. trying to remember the story behind that. Of, I'm trying to remember. I think uh, it was a it was an Australian player. I don't know who it, what his name was, and honestly, don't care to. But um, yeah, uh, Dallas, I guess, had listed him as uh, playing in some on the sheets, but uh, they could prove that this guy was in Australia actually playing matches. So. They were forced to vacate the title, and that actually forced um, the USAFL to um, implement a brand new um, player and team management system that's um, online. Players have to actually register with USAFL now before they even play one game. Otherwise, the games they play won't count. I see. They got the, for nationals, they have an eligibility rule. I, I don't know if it's changed in years, but um, as long as I was playing, you had to play at least three games with your team. Be, to be eligible to play in nationals. I mean, exemptions are allowed, like if a player joins late 
or new players are just there's exemptions that are allowed, but um, most of the time you can't just like add like big big players like haha. Yeah. Well, this is our first game. We're just gonna run over everyone type of thing. Yeah, but and then it was in 2000. I mean, that was my first time I ever traveled for a nationals in uh, was that L.A. I want to say in Cal- Los Angeles, California. But um, that was when there was just one division. But um, if I remember, San Diego had a whole bunch of guys from the Australian Navy or allegedly a lot of players from the Australian Navy that never played a game in the U.S., played for San Diego, and they ran roughshod. <laughs> uh, not enough to beat Boston, though, who I think won the championship that year, but Ow. that's but that was so many years back, I don't remember. Joined with Brian Reese, Doug Brown of the Gem City Sports Network, and we're going to wrap up Episode 7 very shortly. An hour and 34 minutes pre-editing. Good gravy. I, I like but, when I have guests. I mean, I don't have, I don't feel like I'm boring everyone. Just like this team's playing that team, which I do apologize if you didn't like uh, episode six. Uh, I'm still learning and growing how to do my podcast. Like I want to make sure that the like Doug and Brian's mission with GCSN get the schools that don't get the media coverage the attention. That's what I'm trying to do. Except you know, podcast. So I'm working through, and I'm, I'll make it more entertaining in the future, I promise. But when I have guests, I like learning, you know, about sports stories I didn't know about. I like reminiscing. Uh, like we mentioned, 49th Parallel Cup, that, that brought a nice smile to my uh, my face because that was a lot of fun. Uh, Brian and I calling United States versus Canada. Four matches that day. Uh, the women, the men's and women's, both reserves and the senior teams. Canada, Northern Lights, Northern Winds, and the United States, uh, Liberty and Revolution, if I remember. Revolution, the... I think I, they, they've actually got a name for their secondary team. I think it's the Freedom, I want to say. That's I think so right about that. That sounds uh, that's, that's, right, yeah. I, I just don't... I just remember having to go over to the tent and writing all the names down on a piece of paper. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my Ryan, goodness. read read this. This is my writing. You can I, read this. Oh, I, oh my God. I, <laughs> I vaguely remember that. Just having to just go to the uh, tent or wherever it was. Basically sprinting, hustling, trying to write down all the uh, names. And we're on and pretty and much We're and on pretty audio, much, and it's just like, oh, I don't pretty know much getting, and Pretty much getting on the air at the moment. Pretty much once we have finally had this, the uh, – team sheets and such we were pretty much the game was just about ready to start whatever mm-hmm. it's pretty much okay i'm back here's the roster it was like that a few times get a roster at the last second yeah and yeah. that happens at various levels like at, at the lower levels like high school and such and i remember doing something like that with the gem city slam that wasn't even the slam that was like that that was i'm talking about the um i said the slam that was like a semi-pro basketball thing at the uh, northmont i remember it was it was one of the women's matches. Was it the, either the Lady Slam or was it the Brick City whatever Warriors maybe? Warriors, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, but, but one on one another. Point being, I was literally filling out the sheet, and I don't I don't even remember if I was on the air or not. I don't think I was on the air, but literally not one second after I finished scribbling down the um, names and numbers for the team, jump ball. Yeah, they they don't look at the time on the clock anyway. Yeah, they just go whenever it's whenever it's ready. Whenever the teams are ready, they go. And uh, but that's you know that's uh, the basketball. But it was good basketball, I thought. You know. Yeah, that was one of my, that was another one of my fun moments with GCSN as well. 
That was one that I never got to. Uh, I think I always had uh, hockey or Miami Middletown basketball to do, and I just never got around to uh, broadcasting with you guys. But I remember Gem City Slam quite well. And Dave was the owner. What's David doing now? I, I Is he running for office now? Yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah. I can't remember which city he's running for office for, but uh, if he's listening to the podcast, just um, send Hi, us David. a line. Hi, David. Uh, I want to say hi to his wife. She had a stroke a couple of weeks ago, and she, uh, she's, uh, she's uh, I guess, in rehab. But uh, Tiffany, uh, get well. We need you back. Speedy recovery. Yeah. So, I know, I know um, about recoveries. <laughs> If people want to help out GCSN, if they want to broadcast, if they want to help grow the station, if they want, you know, just say, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, where do you point them? Just go to gemcitysports.com. I think we got a contact page there. Just fill out the forms, put out whatever message you want, and we will definitely get them. I think that or we also got a direct email. I think it's at info at gemcitysports.com. And just we'll do a quick bit of a shilling here. We've also got a Patreon account. That's uh, patreon.com slash GCSN if you want to support us directly financially. Because as we've said this before, it's pretty much a labor of love with this thing. We're not making a whole lot as far as like we, I mean, you always see Google ads on our site. But um, what we're getting from that, it fluctuates depending on how good of a game we're doing and how popular it is. And it's not always enough to pay the, um, I will admit that the bills are kind of small. Relatively small, but um, it would be nice to be able to um, be able to make enough to cover all that stuff. So, again, that's Patreon.com/slash/GCSN. We'll try to get some rewards up there once we get some regular patrons on that site. But, but, but what, what if fans want to follow you? Like if they, personally, if they, they want to follow me personally. I'm on uh, Facebook. It's um, I think Facebook.com/slash/BRC, and I think it's also on Twitter. At uh, B Reese, that's B R E I S S I E, and I'm pretty much back. I'm f- fairly active on, mostly active on Facebook. That's more of a personal thing, but uh, Twitter at B Reese and Doug. I'm uh, well, Facebook. You can catch me on Facebook and Twitter. That's about it. On Twitter, I'm Bro O two O four, and tw- uh, Facebook. I think it's just uh, I, I don't even know to be honest with you. Look for Doug Brown in the Sinclair hat. <laughs> you can't miss it. You, you can't miss what I always thought was two macaroni shells just lined up weird, like a broken CD. I, <laughs> I, I think it was like the first year I was helping out GCSN. It's like, oh, that's supposed to be an S. <laughs> Don't I feel smart? <laughs> it's not. It's not a broken CD or broken macaroni. It, it's it's a letter. Yeah, uh, some <laughs> colors were red and yellow. Then it might be a bit of macaroni or cheese. But uh, I don't, I don't even know where I came up with macaroni. I think it was just I saw. It well, you said it was a broken, two broken C's, if you will. I mean, elbow. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think people care. Uh, that bombshell. If, okay. Yeah. So, uh, what was that, Doug? One thing I want to say, uh, you know, to you guys right now, you know, I appreciate all that you guys have done uh, for the, you know for the station and, uh, you know, for the uh, website and so forth. But, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's other people that have really helped us out, like Jim DeBelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the top two. He's got the top two uh, uh, downloads 
the DeBob report, the all-area team from last year, 342 downloads. That's insane. And he's also helping out this season, right? Yeah. And we're going to have the uh, preseason uh, top 50 uh, from Tip High School or Tippecanoe High School on uh, November the 19th. And we're also going to have uh, probably the all-area team afterwards uh, sometime in February or March. And then also the underclassmen uh, all-star games. Uh, they are usually from Urbana, but I think this year uh, he's got a new venue uh, lined up, and I'm not sure where at. Uh, but, you know, college coaches from, come from all over, and some of them, uh, some of them win their games. And like Cincinnati State, stuff like And they come up and say, hey, we thank you for doing those games. Because, you know, one of the things that we do, you know, when we put them online or when we put them on, on demand and stuff like that, those kids, and I keep telling the kids back from Central State or that uh, in Central State, hey, you can listen to the game after, you know, when you're on the bus heading home. And uh, a lot of kids, uh, a lot of kids do that. And, uh, but uh, you, uh, so you got, you got three things, the third, fourth, and fifth in line for the uh, for de- demolition. Uh, the three, a uh, demo talk, demolition event, and then uh, an interview with Kelly Jade. Yeah, you know, uh, like three, four, and five in the, uh, in the top top, uh, the top ones there, Lee. I think Kela was demons, if I remember right, because that was with uh, Jeffrey helping me out on that. I think but, that yeah, sounds about right. I, I remember the debut of that, and that was really cool for me because, like, Here's the franchise. It's hockey, and I'm debuting it. Here you go. Although I I realized that the uh, uh, the sound the the sound I wanted to pick up didn't quite do so well, so I had to bulk it up on audacity. It's like ugh, but yeah, it was it's really cool to be part of it. And folks, I hope you give Brian and Doug and the Gem City Sports Network a chance because they do deserve it with the love they put into Cincinnati Dayton sports. And I think that will close out episode seven quite nicely, gentlemen. Uh, It's been wonderful. And this episode is just as long as Mark Schlemmer's first episode. And speaking of the Schlem, he'll be back next week for episode eight, the return of the Schlem, which might or might not be the name of the episode. I haven't decided. Actually, I haven't told you guys what the uh, episode name I picked out for this. And you guys can tell me if you like it or not, and I can change it. A Priceless Gem. I can go with that. Gem? Gem City? Yeah, Yeah, we can go with that. Okay, that works. Definitely do worse than that. And fans, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't picked a bad name out yet, Uh, luckily. I don't know. Maybe I have. No one's told me yet. It's <laughs> knock on it right now. <laughs> Episode yep. nine. I don't know what I'm doing in my podcast anymore. Help. Yeah, just follow, just follow us this weekend, you know. Just uh, give us a shot this weekend. Uh, you got uh, soccer coming up. You got college football. Um, you know, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be good. Uh, say what the broadcast uh, times and links are, gentlemen. Okay, for my it's going to be again soccer Saturday. It's going to be at radio five dot dot com, I believe. Kickoff is going to be at five. Again, that's going to be boys soccer action featuring the Shawana Julian Eagles hosting the Bellbrook Golden Eagles. So you got Eagles galore. That's a lot of fun. 
El- uh, Eaton and Bellbrook games were a lot of fun because they're same colors and. Although Bellbrook's golden and Eaton's fighting, but it used to be Eaton and Bellbrook were golden eagles. That doesn't matter. Who cares about that? Doug, where where can I listen to Central State football? Coming up uh, Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock, it'll be Central State taking on Elizabeth City State out of North Carolina. The Vikings will come up and make a nine-hour trip or something like that. Uh, it'll be a one-on-one by gemcitysports.com beginning at 1230. We have the pregame show. Uh, and we'll have interviews with the head coach, uh, Cedric Pearl. And uh, going to have a, a color commentary for the first time, and that's going to be Kevin O'Boyle. Good guy, Kevin. Kevin. Huh? Been good. a while since I've seen Kevin. He's um, he, that, That's a good score. Kevin's a good guy. He works with me a couple games for the Dragons. He's the stringer slash official score. Yeah, he's going to join me in uh, – we're going to tour this year, and, and uh, we're going to try it out. And that's going to be a wireless mic. Then he's going to go down and interview uh, Coach Poole at, uh, at halftime. And also, uh, one thing we do here at the MCA Sports Network, if we do a high school game or a college game or something like that, uh, football, we do the bands. We play the bands. We don't go to a, study, a, a studio show. We aren't like ESPN or, or uh, Fox Sports or anything like that. We do the bands because they're part of the game, too. And uh, you know, you hear the cheerleaders in the background. We do that. And also coming up next week on the ninth, we got Halftime USA from Wayne High School. It's the 50th anniversary for Halftime USA. And last year we had 176 downloads. That's very, so, very impressive. And the mighty marching marauders, there's well, something to hear. I mean, you, you should go and see them in person. But if you can't. There's something to hear, and Doug and Kevin will do the game right for you Saturday. And Brian's got soccer for you coming up. GemCitySports.com. And that wraps up Episode 7. Gentlemen, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You can like the new podcast page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown on Facebook. Give me a big old thumbs up. That's not a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up and like the page. (laughs) I know you did. And I think Doug did, too. I did. Okay, Uh, thumbs up the page, and that's where I'll go and talk about episode ideas. I'll probably do a lot more fan interaction. Um, I need to get back to that. I haven't done that really since episode two. And that was a lot of fun with, like, 20-some Facebook posts. That was a lot of fun to do. Um, Fan interaction, episode ideas, comments, you know, go like the page. Again, it's the gem on the Queen's Crown. You can't miss the uh, five-minute logo I did on GIMP the uh, free Photoshop editor. Um, so go ahead and like it. You can follow me on Twitter, the Lee W. Mallon. That's where I never shut up about my podcast anymore and the games I do. And Facebook, the Lee W. Mallon. Well, actually, yeah, that works. It's a page. TheLeeWMallon.com. Also listen to the podcast, not only on GemCitySports.com, but on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. For Brian and Doug, this is Lee W. Mallon signing off. Episode number seven, Now in the books.